1: It's the Nick D Podcast. I'm your host, Nick DiGilio. How you doing? Welcome. Welcome to episode 215 of the Nick D Podcast. It's part of the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Thanks for subscribing. Thanks for checking us out and downloading and listening and doing all that other cool stuff. Please make sure that you take the time to share. Tell everybody about this podcast. Let's get more people to listen. Rate and review us on every single platform. We're available on every platform, as is all All of the podcasts that you can hear here at Radio Misfits. Radiomisfits.com, a great website. The Radio Misfits Podcast Network is the best podcast network in the world. There are tons of amazing and varied and entertaining and funny and informative and scary and dramatic and cool as hell podcasts at this network. Uh, And also, we have a 24-7 free streaming service here. It's just like radio, only a lot cooler. RadioMisfits.Live, where you can hear 24-7 live podcasts. You can hear music from the Unheard Music Show. These are unsigned bands, music that you've never heard before. Um, so you can hear great music and episodes of all the great podcasts, including my podcasts. I have two of them here on Radio Misfits. They are this podcast. This uh, this is the Nick D Podcast, which is a pop culture review talk podcast with uh, really fun regular guests and really cool reviews and all that cool stuff. And then... Uh, the other podcast that I have is called That Show Hasn't Been Funny in Years, an SNL podcast. It's all about Saturday Night Live. You can hear this podcast daily at 3 p.m. Central at Misfits.live. And you can hear the other podcast, my SNL podcast, daily at 9 a.m. Central uh, as part of the great 24-7 free programming, live streaming programming at RadioMisfits.Live. Lots of great stuff happening on this podcast. Uh, so there you go. Esmeralda Leon. Is going to join me in just a little bit, and uh, we've got a lot of fun stuff that we're going to be talking about. I'm going to talk to her a little bit about Godzilla. I don't know if Godzilla is she's a big Godzilla fan. I think we've talked about it in the past. I don't think she is, but I had uh, a wonderful experience seeing the new Godzilla movie for the second time this weekend. We'll talk a little bit about that. We are also going to talk about celebrities that everybody loves. You know, there are celebrities everybody has opinions on. Some celebrities are annoying. You don't like them. And, Some people love certain celebrities that everybody else hates, and some people hate certain celebrities that everybody else loves. But there are a group of celebrities that's particularly focused on in this really cool article that we found um, where you can't argue. Like, it's celebrities that everybody loves. There are certain celebrities that every single person in the world loves. So celebrities that everybody loves. We're going to talk a little bit about that. And we're going to continue our taste-testing tour through Poland. Um, We... um, have this wonderful subscription that was uh, set up for us by our lovely listener Deanna. Uh, Esmeralda and I are receiving a box of snacks every month from a different part of the world, and there are snacks that vary from chips to sweet stuff to savory stuff, all kinds of really fun snacks and candies and stuff like that. And uh, we uh, we had a box from Spain that we talked about, and now we are working our way through Poland. And we're going to be taste testing some really cool snacks live right on the air for the first time. We'll taste test them. We'll let you know how good they are and how you can get a hold of them. You can check out UniversalYums.com if you want to join us on our monthly trip through different parts of the world eating all kinds of really cool snacks. And again, we will let you know where you can get these snacks and how good they are, especially if you like the salty stuff. The sweet stuff, whatever it is, we'll taste it. We'll let you know how good it is and you can get it yourselves. It's always a lot of fun to do that. So we're going to be taste testing some other really cool stuff. Uh, I did have a guest scheduled for today, um, but uh, some scheduling conflicts came up and uh, had, to, had to drop at the last minute. But we will reschedule that guest for another time. So as a result, uh, I am going to be talking about the Academy Awards. The Oscar nominations were announced last week uh, and they weren't without controversy. And uh, so I'm going to tell you uh, my thoughts on all of the major nominations, uh, the movies, the, the people that were nominated, my thoughts on the snubs and all of that. And I will give you my predictions in every category. I will tell you what I think will win, because almost everything that I think will win is not what I want to win. There's a big difference, because I definitely don't want Oppenheimer to win a goddamn thing, because it sucks but it's going to win every Academy Award in the in the in the world. So I will tell you what I predict will win, and then I will tell you what I would like to see win. So who deserves to win is much different than who is going to win, because most of the awards that will be handed out on March 11th are going to go to Oppenheimer, which is a movie that doesn't deserve any awards of all of any kind. But it's going to win everything. But I will tell you my thoughts on the snubs, and you will hear from uh, some of the celebrities and their um, thoughts and their reactions to being nominated, to some of the things that weren't nominated. Uh, As you know, uh, you know, the whole uh, Barbie snub, as they've been calling it, uh, caused a little bit of... uh, a little bit of waves uh, last week, uh, and I am one of those people who is pissed off uh, that Margot Robbie did not get nominated for Best Actress and that Greta Gerwig, especially Greta Gerwig, didn't get nominated for Best Director because Barbie was the best movie of last year, period, end of story, and uh, if you don't agree, then there's something wrong with you. But anyway, uh, I will tell you uh, my thoughts on that. We will I will read quotes from some of the people who have been nominated and go through every category. The Oscars are here. I'll give you my thoughts on it, and that's what's coming up on the show, as well as Esmeralda and I talking about lovely celebrities and tasting some lovely food as well. That's all happening right here on the Nick D Podcast. You can be a part of this podcast, you know. Um, In one way, you can sponsor this podcast. You can advertise on this podcast a lot of people listen to this podcast so you should advertise with us it'd be good for you so be a sponsor advertise with us all you got to do is drop us a line and say i want to advertise on the nick d podcast right now and send it to sales at radiomisfits.com so sales at radiomisfits.com get on here and join us it'll be good for you it'll be good for everybody so advertise with us sales at radiomisfits.com now if you just want to be a part of the podcast in general i encourage every single person who is listening right now to call our voicemail uh, and leave a message of any kind, a comment, a question, uh, um, you know, a, a question for any of our regular guests who come on are, uh, you know, um, we have an episode coming up in a couple of episodes. We, the first episode of each month is the for the people episode, where we tell you all about consumer issues, about money and about cars, Tom Appel, Herb Weissbaum and others join us for that. And if you have any questions, consumer related, we would love to ask them for you. So any comments, uh, a megaphone message requests, Anything that you want to say at any time about this podcast to contribute to it, I want you to do that. And the voicemail is open 24-7 for you specifically. 773-417-6948. Call that up and leave us voicemails now, 773-417-6948. You just want to drop us an email. I read every email. Um, I, I do, and I listen to every voicemail that comes in. I play some of them up on the uh, on the episode, and I read many of the uh, um, the emails on the uh, on the episodes as well. So if you want to drop us an email, you can. That's nickdpodcast at gmail.com, nickdpodcast at gmail.com. So that's the way to get a hold of us. Uh, Jason Skaggs does all the um, – uh, does all the music and the sounds and the craziness and the audio and stuff like that. Uh, And uh, Ed Silla is the man who runs Radio Misfits and does all the other great stuff. Uh, Been with you guys, been with, um, with uh, Radio Misfits now for just a little over two years and I couldn't be happier. And my SNL podcast just passed one year. So, Uh, doing these two podcasts uh, for two years with the Nick D podcast and for one solid year with the SNL podcast. Couldn't be happier. And uh, we want more people to check us out. So check out both podcasts. Subscribe to the SNL podcast. If you're a Saturday Night Live fan and you don't subscribe to my podcast, that show hasn't been funny in years. uh, You're missing out on the best SNL podcast that there is. And uh, you really should subscribe. It's a fun podcast to do. I have a blast doing it. And I do all kinds of fun, different, varying topics. And we have special guests and all kinds of cool stuff so check out the SNL podcast as well so there you go that's what's coming up on the uh, on the program hi Uh-oh. I'm
0: Carrie Russell and I love Nick's show
1: I know you do baby I realize hi that. I'm Carrie yeah, Russell
0: I and I love Nick's show.
1: show well let's make it official <laughs>
0: Hi, I'm Carrie Russell, and I love Nick's show.
1: I know you do, baby. And I know as I know uh, uh, that uh, Carrie, I know you like the Academy Awards, I know you like the Oscars, and at some some point in, the, in, in your career, you will be nominated and hopefully win an Academy Award. And, uh, and I hope that happens for you. So we are going to talk about Academy Awards. By the way, I would just like to say, uh, Tom Appel will be joining us in an, uh, a week from today. Uh, A week from today will be the first Tuesday of the month, which means the first uh, episode of of, of Tuesday episode of each month is a For the People episode. Tom Appel is our car guy. He's our car expert from Consumer Guide Automotive. Well, uh, Bill Anderson, who is Tom Appel's UPS driver, long story, uh, sent me an email. And again, if you want to send an email, I love reading them, nickdpodcast at gmail.com. Nick and Esmeralda, hi. Wanted to say hi to both of you. I have been out at UPS. I had my knee replaced, and I was off for the route for ten months. Now I'm back, getting back into the swing of things. I drive by Tom's, and I see the cars that you discuss with him on the first Tuesday of every month. It's nice to see them in person while I'm on his street. Yes, this is Tom Appel's personal UPS guy, and we talk about Tom test driving. He test drives cars every month. Um, you know, every couple of weeks, he's driving a brand new car to test drive it and write all about it and review it at Consumer Guide Automotive. And so Bill, the UPS guy, gets to see these cars in the driveway. So anyway, um, I'm sorry to hear about the issues that you've been having with your parents. And I've been having some issues with my parents. Um, my mother um, has been diagnosed with some dementia, and my father uh, had a heart condition. And they both have been separated from each other and dealing with it. And I'm an only child, and I've been dealing with my father's physical stuff and my mother's mental stuff. It has not been a good couple of months. In fact, it's been a terrible couple of months, to be honest with you. And I'm an only child, and all of the stuff has been falling on my shoulders. So one of the great releases that I have is this podcast um, and is hearing from you guys and, uh, and all the wonderful support that I get from you, my subscribers and listeners and all that cool stuff. It's been a very, 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 very rough couple of months. Um, and uh, the light at the end of the tunnel has not been seen yet. It's been very, very rough, but I appreciate all the support, and uh, I get by uh, um, with all this stressful stuff that I'm going through by doing this podcast and having the friends that I have and and talking to you guys, so thank you for that. And, Bill, thank you for that. Uh, my parents have been gone uh, a long time, but my spouse's mother is going through a similar situation. We understand the stress and uncertainty of your dilemma, and our prayers are with you. Just wanted to thank you both for everything that you do, regardless of life's curveballs. Being such a longtime fan of you both, I can't imagine not hearing your stories and laughter to brighten our days. Uh, The rat hole, which we talked about on the last episode, the famous Chicago rat hole in Roscoe uh, Village, is so stupid that we have to fill our lives with these things to distract us from the bitterness of the real world. Anyway, thanks for keeping our spirits up and God bless. Say hi to Tom um, uh, when you hit record on that first Tuesday in February. So uh, there you go. A lovely little note from Bill. Tom's a UPS driver and I would love to hear from you again you can call us at 773-417-6948 or you can uh, drop us an email at nickdpodcast at gmail.com and you can also uh, be congratulated and after I congratulate you or after actually technically Jason Skaggs congratulates you it's Oscar talk right here on the Nick D podcast radio misfits podcast network
0: congratulations you're about to listen to the Nick D podcast it's by far the best decision you've made today It makes the other podcasts seem like crap Oh yeah, don't be a jag
1: And he, here we are. Hi, everybody. Uh, so, um, uh, it is time to talk about uh, the Academy Awards. Uh, you know, um, every year the Academy Awards uh, cause all kinds of weird controversies. We hear a lot of this. Ow! That's right. And a lot of this. Oh, yeah. And then a lot of this. Boring,
2: man, you're all feckin' boring. With your piddling grievances over nothing,
1: you're all feckin'
0: boring.
1: That's right. She should have won Best Supporting Actress last year. That is uh, Carrie Condon from the great movie from last year, Banshees of Sharon*, which was a great movie. And the movie that won last year and won all the awards, of course, was another movie that I don't like. And that is that everything, everywhere, everybody all at once bullshit. But anyway, uh, this boring, woman should You're all boring, man.
0: You're
2: all feckin' boring. With your piddling grievances over nothing,
1: you're
0: all fucking boring.
1: That's right. Anyway, uh, some people do think that the Academy Awards are feckin' boring, um, but uh, we're going to talk about them, and I'm going to give you my predictions on what will win the Academy Awards and my thoughts on what should win and what should have been nominated. We also are going to uh, hear some quotes and some reactions from a lot of the nominees themselves and a lot of the people who uh, who have thoughts about uh, the nominations. First... <coughs>
0: Hi, I'm Carrie Russell and I love Nick's show.
1: How you doing Carrie? All right baby there you go. I'll see you in a minute. <coughs> right. Academy Awards are going to be handed out in March. Uh, Jimmy Kimmel is the host once again does a great job I think I think Jimmy does a fantastic job uh, doing the Academy Awards and uh, no matter how much I bitch about it and I've been I have been a professional movie critic for over 37 years now. Uh, and been a movie fan my entire life. So in the fifty-something years that I've been watching the Academy Awards, I bitch and moan every year about who wasn't nominated, about who is nominated, about who's going to win, and all that stuff. And that's part of the fun. Um, so you know, a lot of people are like, why don't you keep watching it if all you're going to do is complain and blah blah blah? Because that's part of it. That's what it is. That's what I do, and I don't care. I'm a movie fan. I'm a movie critic, and I, I and I love the movies, and I love. The awards season, like it's ridiculous. And I, you know, and I agree with people that it's a bunch of rich people patting each other on the back and giving themselves awards, but I don't give a shit. I love it. It's great. Lighten up to all the people, like, I don't want to watch this self congratulatory assholes, these rich people, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, I hate rich people too. But, uh, but you know what? The awards are fun. And it's also really cool to honor movies that deserve to be honored, even though most of the time they honor movies that don't deserve to be honored. But it's also cool to turn people on to movies because of the Academy Awards that maybe they haven't seen or performers that they haven't seen, like last year, without question. Without question, the highlight of last year, the Academy Awards, was Andrea Rice being nominated for he, her incredible performance in Two Leslie. And if you still have not seen Two Leslie, by far the best movie of last year, and uh, not last year, 2020, uh, 2022, by far the best movie of 2022. And Andrea Rice performance in Two Leslie is one of the best performances in the history of movies. And I know I speak in a lot of hyperbole, but that's absolutely true. It's one of the best performances I've ever seen a human being give on film ever. Her performance in 2 Leslie was by far the best performance that anybody gave in 2022. And of course, she was nominated, and there was all kinds of controversy. Who is she? She bought the nomination. Blah, 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 blah. And there was all this controversy. It's a bunch of bullshit. She got nominated... Because her peers, the actors, nominate the actors. And the actors saw that performance and went, well, that's better than anything that I will ever do in my life as an actor. So, yes, she deserves the Academy Award nomination. For all the people who bitched and moaned and were like, I can't believe she got nominated, blah, 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 blah. That's because either you haven't seen the movie, and if you have seen the movie and you bitch and moan about her being nominated, you're an idiot. Because it's the best performance that anybody has given in the past, like probably 15, 20 years. So that was by far the highlight of last year's Academy Awards: the nomination of um, um, of Andrea Riceboro and the fact that like she was in all the at all the parties, and uh, you know, and all the events leading up to it, the awards ceremonies, and all that stuff leading up to it, and the fact that she was actually you know a nominee, and uh, you got to see her at the Academy Awards. Of course, it was not snowball's chance in hell that she was going to win. Uh, But the fact that she got nominated without question was by far the highlight of anything that happened at the Academy Awards last year. Last year, the big winner was your Everything Everywhere All at Once, which is not a good movie. In fact, it's an actively bad movie, and it's astonishing to me that people think it's that good, uh, and it won everything. Um, uh, Michelle Yeoh uh, has been amazing in other movies, Uh, was not amazing in Everything Everywhere All at Once. And she has deserved an Academy Award and deserved every kind of award in the world for many, many, many years. And again, it's one of these deals where it's like we got to give her the Academy Award because she's so great, but you know they gave it to her for the wrong movie. Uh, Jamie Lee Curtis, I love Jamie Lee Curtis. Anybody who knows me personally, or knows me from the radio, or knows me from this podcast knows that Jamie Lee Curtis is one of my favorite humans in the world. And I love the fact that she won. She didn't deserve to win. This person boring did.
0: Boring man, you're all
2: fucking boring with your piddling grievances over nothing.
1: You're
0: all fucking boring.
1: That's right. She should have won, even though I love Jamie Lee Curtis. And the and sure. Short round, you know, wins his little Academy Award. You know, I don't care about him. And uh, and uh, from the Goonies or the Googles or whatever the bullshit is, didn't like him in it. Everything, everywhere, all at once. And those Daniels guys, the directors, their hacks, they made a much better movie, which was a 90-minute movie about farting, a dead guy farting, a much better movie. And that one still wasn't very good. So, less, yes, last year a movie that didn't deserve to win those awards won, and it's going to happen again this year because clearly it's Christopher Nolan's year. Christopher Nolan, who is the self-appointed savior of cinema. Uh, People seem to be under this hypnotic trance that Christopher Nolan is this great filmmaker. He's not. He's not. Uh, I admire his dedication to cinema and the preserving of film, and using film, and the theatrical experience. He wants people to go out and see his movies in theaters the way they're meant to be. I love the fact that, um, you know, uh, he broke off ties with Warner Brothers because of the way Warner Brothers decided when the pandemic was happening that they were going to release all their movies on HBO, even though stuff like *Tenant*, which is his last movie, and Dune should be seen on the— well, every movie should be seen on the big screen. I'm of the opinion— That like when people go, is it streaming anywhere? I'm like, yeah, it's streaming at your theater. Get your ass outside, go to the theater and see it in a movie theater the way you're supposed to see a movie. But now we've gotten so lazy. Like every time, uh, you know, I appear like on Steve Cochran's show, uh, which you can hear me on Fridays on the Steve Cochran Morning Show on WLS, AM 890, you can hear me on Fridays uh, reviewing movies and talking about movies in general. Whenever I mention a movie, they're like, where's it streaming? I'm like, it's streaming at the theater. I'm not going to tell you where it's streaming because where it should be streaming is you should be streaming in your car to drive to a theater and then streaming to the door and paying for a ticket and then streaming into the theater and streaming to a seat and streaming your ass in a seat and watching in a big movie theater the way that you're supposed to watch a movie. Not in your goddamn house or on your phone or on your laptop or streaming on your TV. When people ask me where it's streaming, I say, The theater! Try it! So anyway... um, you know, it, it getting people back into the theater, I appreciate the fact that, that Christopher Nolan wants people to watch his movies in theaters, and I appreciate that, and that's the way it should be. I just don't think he is the be-all, end-all of filmmakers. I think the guy is an insanely overrated movie. He's made a couple of great movies. I love Inception. I love Interstellar. I like Memento. Um, I hate his Batman movies. they are a lot, of, like, Dunkirk does not hold up. He's made some good movies. A couple of great ones, but he's made a lot of bad ones. And one of the bad ones that he made is Oppenheimer. Oppenheimer is a bad movie. It's terrible storytelling. It's a textbook disguised as a film. The cinematic part of it is, you know, over the top, not very good. His storytelling skills are minimal at the best. He has a lot of overbearing, loud, and ridiculous cinematic tricks that he uses to to, to trick people into thinking that they're watching a really good film, and they're not. Uh, he cuts away to stuff. He uses the different color cinematography and formats and all this stuff. He jumps through time back and forth and cross cuts and all that stuff. He does this in an effort to distract you from the fact that he writes bad scripts and doesn't know how to tell stories and doesn't get good performances out of his actors. Every once in a while, that, you know, that, that whole let's do loud sounds with little soft sounds and mixing the dialogue low so that the shit that big and then and so the shit sounds big when it happens and seeing it in 70 millimeter it's all pompous poser bullshit the guy couldn't tell a good story to save his life and the acting in his movies ranges from sometimes really good to absolutely awful and there are a lot of awful performances in Oppenheimer including uh Robert Downey Jr. who will win Uh, Best Supporting Actor. And it's the worst performance he's given since Johnny Be Good. as far as I'm concerned. It's an embarrassing performance. There are a lot of terrible performances in it. Don't even get me started on the way that uh, Christopher Nolan portrays women in movies. Because there's at least one either drug-addicted, drunken, crazy woman in his movies. At least one in a movie. And in Oppenheimer, there are two. You get the crazy... Drunk, drug addicted, suicidal, lunatic women. Because every portrayal of a woman in ninety percent of Christopher Nolan's movies contains the fact that they are in, they are not, they were in, they are imbalanced. That they're crazy. That they're on drugs. That they're suicidal. That they're lunatics. And that they cause the male characters in the movies lots of problems. That seems to be an issue that Christopher Nolan might want to deal with in a therapy session, not in a two and a half hour movie that I have to sit through. So. I do not like Oppenheimer. It is not a good movie. So let me just say this. Most of the awards that I'm going to go through are going to be won by Oppenheimer. Okay? That's just the fact. It's time that they give Christopher Nolan his little Oscar. And so hopefully he'll go off into the night and and bug other people with his sometimes uh, uh, quiet, sometimes loud movies that jump through time and black and white and this to distract you from the fact that he's not good. And Oppenheimer is a terrible movie. Period. End of story. But it's going to win everything. Let me just say that it's going to win everything. So let me go through the nominations. For Best Picture, the nominees are American Fiction, Anatomy of a Fall, Barbie, The Holdovers, Killers of the Flower Moon, Maestro, Oppenheimer, Past Lives, Poor Things in the Zone of Interest. Um, uh, last year, um, I only liked two movies that were nominated. This year, I actually like more than two. I like one Um. Two, three, four, five, uh, six, seven. I like seven of the ten that are nominated. Um, I'm not as crazy about Anatomy of Fall as everybody else is. I'm not as crazy about Zone of Interest as everybody else is. Um, I love Poor Things. Um, I'm not as crazy about Past Lives as everybody else is. I can't stand Maestro. Maestro is a terrible movie. It's uh, one of the most self-indulgent, egotistic movies that has been, ever, been, ever been directed and written by an actor. It's embarrassingly bad. Love The Holdovers, love Killers of the Flower Moon, and I love American fiction. Uh, m- my choice for Best Picture of the Year is Barbie. And the fact that Greta Gerwig did not get nominated is horseshit. It is. And I don't care. Oh, she was nominated for producer. So she's still now, she got nominated for uh, screenplay. Yeah. And Margot Robbie is a producer. So she got nominated to all these idiots who are like, they didn't get shut out. They got nominated. Margot Robbie got nominated. Shut up. You know what the point is. Margot Robbie should have been nominated for best actress. Greta Gerwig absolutely should have been nominated for best director because she was the best director of last year. So shut up. But it's going to go to, of course, Oppenheimer. Best actor, Bradley Cooper uh, Maestro. Uh, Coleman Domingo for Rustin, Paul Giamatti for The Holdovers, Killian Murphy for Oppenheimer, and Jeffrey Wright for American Fiction. Okay, Uh, so I want Giamatti to win. Who deserves to win? Paul Giamatti by far should win for The Holdovers, but I think they're going to give it to Killian Murphy because the undeserved Oppenheimer train is going to be rolling through. So there's that. Best Actress, uh, Annette Bening in Niad, Lily Gladstone, Killers of the Flower Moon, Sandra Huller for uh, Anatomy of a Fall, Carrie Mulligan for Maestro, and Emma Stone for Poor Things. Uh, Margot Robbie did not um, make it uh, in this one because a lot of people think that Annette Bening came in and took the the slot from her. Um, I do, I, I think Carrie Mulligan is fine in Maestro because it's a terrible movie. She's fine in it. Sandra Haller is fine in Anatomy of a Fall. Lily Gladstone is good in Killers of the Flower Moon. Annette Bening is great in Nyad. But the best performance here is Emma Stone in Poor Things, and she deserves to win. Uh, I don't know what's going to happen here. Um, it could go, if it doesn't go to Emma Stone, it'll go to Lily Gladstone for sure. Uh, but Emma Stone deserves it. It's the best performance that anybody gave last year. Uh, It is by far the best performance. It's an astonishing performance. If you have not seen Poor Things, and if you have not seen Emma Stone in Poor Things, you have missed out on the best performance that any human gave in 2023. And it's a remarkable and weird and awesome movie. One of the best of last year. Emma Stone deserves to win it. Uh, And she might. She just might. But there is a possibility that Lily Gladstone will take it. Uh, For Best Supporting Actor, you have Sterling K. Brown for uh, American Fiction, Robert De Niro, Killers of the Flower Moon, Robert Downey Jr. for Oppenheimer, um, Ryan Gosling for Barbie, and Mark Ruffalo for poor things. Um, and with the exception of Robert Downey Jr., everybody's terrific in this, uh, in this category. Robert Downey Jr. is terrible in Oppenheimer. It's a terrible performance. Uh, but Sterling K. Brown, Robert De Niro, uh, Ryan Gosling, and Mark Ruffalo, all great. I think Ryan Gosling deserves to win. Ryan Gosling deserves to win, but without question— uh, the lock for the night for sure is Robert Downey. Robert Downey Jr. is going to win for Oppenheimer uh, because he's been nominated twice before. And of course his his story of his comeback is still legendary um, and people love him in Hollywood. Uh, and again, everything Oppenheimer is going to win, even if it doesn't deserve. And he doesn't deserve to win, but it will win. Supporting actress, Emily Blunt for Oppenheimer, terrible. Daniel Brooks for uh, Color Purple, astonishing that, that she got nominated for that, Any that anything got nominated from that movie. America Ferrera, Barbie, a genuine surprise and a lovely surprise. Jodie Foster for Niad and Divine Joy Randolph for The Holdovers. Uh, Divine Joy Randolph for The Holdovers deserves to win. She should win. It's a great performance in a great movie. And I th- actually think she's going to win. I will say this. Uh, I think Emily Blunt, even though she's in Oppenheimer, which is probably going to win 95% of its awards, she won't win. I think it's going to go to Divine Joy Randolph for The Holdovers. So there you go. For Best Director, Jonathan Glazer for The uh, Zone of Interest, Yorgos Lanthimos for Poor Things, Christopher Nolan for Oppenheimer, Martin Scorsese for Killers of the Flower Moon, and Justine Triet for Anatomy of a Fall. And that was your surprise there, was uh, Justine Triet for Anatomy of a Fall, uh, getting the nomination that Greta Gerwig not only deserved, but she deserved to win. Uh, Not a big fan of Anatomy of a Fall. A lot of people have loved it. I think that uh, the director, and she's also the screenwriter, does a really, really unfair... Uh, storytelling trick uh, and I don't want to give anything away but about halfway through the movie um, the, the director decides to share something and then not share something with the audience in a very unfair very cheap way uh, to get uh, a response from an audience in a very unfair cheap and ridiculous storytelling gimmick and I hated that So, who's going to win? It's going to be Idiot uh, Nolan. So, Christopher Nolan's going to win, but it should be Yorgos Lanthimos for poor things. Technically, it should be Greta Gerwig, who should have been nominated, but she wasn't. Uh, Let's go on to some of the other uh, stuff here. Adapted screenplay, American fiction, Barbie, Oppenheimer, poor things in the zone of interest. Uh, Barbie deserves to win, but Oppenheimer will. Um, And the fact that Barbie is in the adapted screenplay category is completely absurd. Um, but the Academy put, that, put, put the screenplay in adapted because they think that Barbie is a character that's existed before, so it's an adapted screenplay, even though it's an original screenplay. The fact that it's been put into the adapted screenplay category, one, is a stupid decision and not true, two, it's unfair, and three, it guarantees that Barbie won't win. The only, uh, the only one that it could have won was screenplay, original screenplay, but now it guarantees that it won't because dumbass Oppenheimer is going to win that. Original screenplay... Uh, anatomy of a fall the holdovers maestro may december and past lives uh the holdovers deserves to win and i think it will win um so i do think that uh, the the here's in one in one in one case so far where the actual winner will be the one that deserves to win so that's the holdovers uh, and then visual effects i bring this up only because godzilla minus one got nominated so uh it's fantastic. The first um, Godzilla movie to ever be nominated. Godzilla has been around for 70 years. And in the 70-year history of Godzilla, there has never been an Academy Award nomination until now for the extraordinary Godzilla Minus One. And a great film. Uh, visual effects. The Creator, Godzilla Minus One, Guardians of the Galaxy, Volume 3, Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning, Part 1, and Napoleon. Um, I want, I don't know what's going to win here, but I would love to see Godzilla win. It would be amazing. Uh, for uh, Best Original Score, American Fiction, Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. The 54th nomination for John Williams. And he got nominated for Recycling a Score that he's done four other times. But 54 nominations, that's amazing. Killers of the Flower Moon, uh, Oppenheimer, and Poor Things. As far as I'm concerned, uh, Poor Things deserves to win. It's the best score of the year. But here's the thing now. uh, Oppenheimer might win because it's Oppenheimer, and Oppenheimer is going to win every goddamn award. It's nominated for it, doesn't deserve it, but it will. But Killers of the Flower Moon was the last score uh, composed and written by the great Robbie Robertson, so they might give it to Robbie Robertson. Um, one, it's a great score, truly, truly great score, a phenomenal score, and deserves, you know, deserves some recognition. But two, because Robbie Robertson so beloved and has done so many amazing scores, especially with Robert or with um, Martin Scorsese, that they might give it to him. So uh, there you go. Original song, uh, it never went away from American Symphony. Uh, I'm just Ken from Barbie. What was I made for from Barbie? The Fire Inside from Flamin' Hot. Um and uh Wazasahi, a song from the people for Killers of the Flower Moon. Um what I what was I made for from Barbie deserves to win, and I actually think it's gonna win. I actually do think it's gonna win. So those are uh some of the big uh you know, the big nominations and everything. And uh, and again, you can pretty much, if you're going to a party and you're, you know, and um, you're going to be betting and you're going to have like a the Oscar pool and stuff like that, just play it safe and pretty much bet on, you know, um, Oppenheimer to win everything. Um, you know, I don't know. I've already expressed my dislike of it. I already expressed about how unbelievably overrated I think Christopher Nolan is as a filmmaker. Um, and, uh, I just think Oppenheimer is a bad movie. Uh, I just don't think it's good. Um, it's like, uh, it reminded me of JFK. And the last thing that I want to be reminded of when I see a movie is fucking JFK. Like that's one of the last movies in the history of films that I ever want to be reminded of when I'm sitting in a theater. When I walk into a theater, I hope to not think of JFK when I see movies, but it reminded me of JFK and JFK, again, not, not a good movie at all. Gimmicky, flashy with no sense of cinema whatsoever, and that is what Christopher Nolan is and what he does. But he will be awarded plenty, so finally maybe he'll just go away for a while, and we won't have to see any more Christopher Nolan and people praising him for all this shit that he does. That He's just not a good filmmaker. Again, I admire the fact that he wants people to go to theaters I admire the fact that he shoots on film and that he wants people to do this. And it, he 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 really treasures the cinematic experience and shooting with film and the texture of it and all that stuff. He's just not good. <laughs> He's just not good. And check out the ladies in his movies. Please do. Please go back, especially in Oppenheimer, and take a look at the way women are portrayed as crazy, drug addled lunatics in his movies, because it's a little disturbing. Okay, so let's get into some reactions, shall we? Uh, so those are the thoughts. Oppenheimer's going to win everything, uh, and I want Poor Things for most part. Whatever Poor Things is nominated for in all the technical categories, it should win them all, and Emma Stone should win Best Actress. Uh, Emma Stone's reaction. Uh, 11 nominations for Poor Things feels like a surreal dream. I am beyond grateful that the Acad- for the Academy, including me as both an actress and producer among this group of exceptional nominees and recognizing our film in so many categories. Congratulations to Mark, Tony, Robbie, Holly, Blackfish, Nadia, and Mark, Jerskin, Shona, James, uh, Andrew, Ed, and the captain of our ship, Yorgos, on their nominations, as well as Searchlight Pictures and all of those in front and behind the camera who brought this film to life. The team of artists who contributed to Poor Things gave it everything, and I'm forever thankful for the opportunity to play Bella, Bella Baxter, and see the world through her eyes. She has shown me that life is so much more than just sugar and violence. To Lily, Carrie, Sandra, and Annette, it's the biggest honor just to be in your company. So that's what Emma Stone said. God, I hope she wins. So uh, we'll, see what, uh, we'll see what happens there. Um, Bradley Cooper, maestro, who he uh, produced, he co-wrote, he directed. He's the star of it, and it's bad. Uh, best picture, best original screenplay, and best actor. We are all so grateful to be recognized along with all of these incredible works of art this year, Bradley Cooper says, and the performances from every actor who I so admire. Thank you to Jamie, Alex, and Nina, Uh, Bernstein for allowing me and their parents, uh, Bernstein for uh, me and their parents' story to be told. Um, uh, We are very honored to be included. Uh, Carrie Mulligan, who was nominated for Best Actress in Maestro, said, we poured so much love and joy into Maestro. I'm brimming with gratitude today and huge pride for the rest of the Maestro team. Thank you to Bradley Cooper for handing me this gift of a role and an experience. I fiddled with Felicia's lighter all morning, keeping the point of it Uh, Point of all, this close to my heart. I'm so grateful to the Academy. We are going to have the best time ever dressing up and paying tribute to this extraordinary couple. That's Carrie Mulligan, um, who uh, is a terrific actress. I wasn't crazy about her in Maestro, which I don't think is a good movie. In fact, I think it's an actively bad movie. Um, But they're not going to win. It doesn't matter. Uh, Ryan Gosling obviously had something to say. Now, for uh, for all those people who uh, who were bitching and moaning about people complaining about the fact that uh, Margot Robbie did not get nominated for Best Actress and Greta Gerwig did not get nominated for Best Director, like, and then they try to mansplain, and it's mostly men, mansplaining to people why they didn't get nominated. In fact, they did. Margot Robbie got nominated for Best Picture and uh, Greta Gerwig got nominated for Best Screenplay, but that doesn't matter. You missed the point. Uh, it's ironic that, like, uh, you know, Ken gets the nomination. Like, what the movie is about is basically was proven by the Academy and for people who were trying to, and mostly men again, mansplaining to people how they actually did get nominated and it wasn't a snub. It was a snub. Fuck you. It was a snub. Greta Gerwig should be there as Best Director. She should win, and Mar- Margot Robbie should be there for Best Actress. It, they were snubs, and I don't care how you mansplain it or try to tiptoe around it or whatever. It's bullshit. They should be nominated. Barbie was the best movie of last year. It was a cultural phenomenon, and anybody who doesn't recognize that is too busy sticking their head way up Christopher Nolan's ass. Anyway, Ryan Gosling said this. He's nominated for Best Supporting Actor, and he should be because it's a phenomenal performance, and as far as I'm concerned, he should win. He said, I am extremely honored to be nominated by my colleagues alongside such remarkable artists in a year of so many great films, and I never thought I'd be saying this, but I'm also incredibly honored to be part of that uh, Part of that because it's for portraying a plastic doll named Ken, but there is no Ken without Barbie, and there is no Barbie movie without Greta Gerwig and Margot Robbie. The two people most responsible for this history-making, globally celebrated film. No recognition would be possible for anyone on this film without their talent, grit, and genius. To say that I'm disappointed that they are not nominated in their respective categories would be an understatement. Against all odds with nothing but a couple of soulless, scantily clad, and thankfully crotchless dolls, they made us laugh, they broke our hearts, they pushed the culture, and they made history. Their work should be recognized along with every other deserving nominee. Having said that, I am so happy for America Ferreira and the other incredible artists who contributed their talents to making this such a groundbreaking film. That is the greatest reaction that you could possibly have, and everything he said is correct. Uh, Annette Bening nominated for Best Actress for NIAD. Her response was, I'm thrilled and over the moon with excitement to be nominated for an Academy Award alongside my partner in the film, NIAD, Jodie Foster. Onward! Great performance, by the way, in a terrific movie. If you've not seen Nyad, it's available and it's streaming on Netflix. Uh, You missed your chance to see it in the movies, in the theaters. But it's great. Annette Bening is tremendous in it. Jodie Foster, goes without saying, is great as well. By the way, if you're not watching uh, True Detective Night Country, get on it. Jodie Foster's reaction to being nominated for Best Supporting Actress for Nyad. Wowza! I couldn't be more proud and thrilled. For our foursome today, hooting alongside Annette, my partner in crime, and Diana and Bonnie, who inspired it all, this definitely beats swimming in shark-infested waters. <laughs> America Ferrera got nominated for Best Supporting Actor in Barbie. A genuine surprise, but deservedly so. And again, America Ferrera, who's great in the movie, delivered the best monologue of last year by far. One of the greatest monologues of all time. One of the most important monologues. Stirring, beautiful, moving And, of course, you know, uh, nominated in the Adapted category. Anyway, America Ferreira, Best Supporting Actress in Barbie, says, "...I am stunned and so moved to be nominated among the brilliant artists who have done beautiful and important work this year. Uh, And I'm so proud to bring a Latina Latina, uh, representation to the Academy Awards." Um, May the diversity of voices acknowledged by the Academy continue to grow. I am thrilled to celebrate my phenomenal, with my phenomenal Barbie family and their uh, achievements. Greta Gerwig and Margot Robbie made history and raised the bar with Barbie. The cultural and industry impact they've achieved will be felt for generations and generations, and I am so thankful to them for asking me to be a part of it. So uh, there you go. Jeffrey Wright, Best Actor for American Fiction. A fantastic actor. This is... One of the best roles, if not the best role he's ever had. Jeffrey Wright is one of those guys, uh, an incredible stage actor, incredible work on television and, and movies. He's one of those guys. Jeffrey Wright is one of those guys who has been around for decades and consistently does amazing work. I've, got, I've had the honor of seeing him on stage and the joy of watching him on stage. And to watch him on TV shows and in movies, he's one of the most consistently brilliant, original and awesome and powerful actors on the planet. And to see him just tear it up in American fiction, which is such a great performance and such a great, clever and funny and, and, and powerful film. Uh, it's great that Jeffrey Wright got the recognition. He's nominated for Best Actor. My thanks to the Academy for this recognition, not only of my work, Cord Sterling's and Laura's, but the work of everyone who poured their talent into our film. We did this together. We loved making American fiction. We thought it might be special. To be included among the other nominees this year is a beautiful acknowledgement of our efforts to make it so. Um... And uh, so he's very, very, very thrilled about. it. If you've not seen American Fiction, you should. It's a really, really terrific movie. A terrific movie. It's uh, it's in theaters right now, so you should check it out. Paul Giamatti, who was not nominated 20 years ago for Sideways, and it's one of the most one of the one of the most criminal uh, um, uh, things that has ever happened in the Academy Awards. Uh, he wasn't nominated for, um, for sideways for best actor, which is ridiculous. And even more, uh, uh, insulting is the fact that Jamie Foxx won for Ray that year. And you look back at it, which performance holds up more without question. It's Paul Giamatti's, but Giamatti gets his best actor nomination here. And I hope he wins. Here's what he said. I'm genuinely flabbergasted by this morning's news. It's such an incredible honor to be acknowledged by the Academy like this and such a wonderful thrill. Uh, to be a part of uh, this Hollywood tradition. I am so happy for this beautiful film, for the entire cast, incredible crew, and the great folks at Focus and our producer Mark Johnson, writer David Hemmingson, and my holdovers family, Divine and Dominic. Alexander Payne has been an incredible friend and collaborator, and I will forever be grateful for him giving me the kind of this kind of role every actor hopes to play. My love and thanks to everyone. Robert Downey Jr., who will undoubtedly win for Oppenheimer, even though it's his worst performance since Johnny B. Good. Uh, best Supporting Actor, uh waking up to all of these nominations for christopher nolan and his many talented collaborators in an absolute is an absolute delight it's been an honor of a lifetime to be a part of the cinematic masterpiece that is oppenheimer <laughs> and it's a privilege to be an academy member nominated alongside such esteemed company there's robert downey jr he's gonna win uh emily blunt nominated for best supporting actress for oppenheimer i'm completely overjoyed and overcome uh, Weak legged and immensely grateful for this moment. It goes without saying that this staggering film has changed my life. Colossal congratulations to my op and homies who all blew the doors off the place in their fields. We are f- uh, we are a family, and so to raise a- we so to raise a glass to my friends for this euphoric feeling indeed. Uh, Robert De Niro's reaction to Best Supporting Actor nomination for Killers of the Flower Moon. It was a privilege to work. Um, With Marty Scorsese, Leo DiCaprio, and Lily Gladstone, and the full cast and crew of Killers of the Flower Moon. It was also a mission for us. We committed to honestly and sensitively representing the history and the spirit of the Osage people uh, and the entire Osage nation. We thank you for trusting us with your story. Um, And uh, Martin Scorsese says. It's deeply gratifying to receive this recognition from the Academy for myself and for so many of my collaborators on Killers of the Flower Moon. It was a remarkable experience to make this picture, to work together with the Osage community, to tell the story of a genuine American tragedy hidden in the shadows of official culture uh, for far too long. I only wish that Robbie Robertson had lived to see his work recognized. Our many years of friendship and Robbie's growing consciousness over, of his own native heritage played a crucial role in my desire to film this film. Um, so there you go. Those are, um, uh, those are some of the, uh, some of the great reactions, uh, to, um, to being nominated. Um, so those are the nominees. Those are my thoughts on it. Uh, you know, I'm bitching and moaning. I yell and scream all the time. And I do that because it's the Oscars. And, uh, you know, I've been a part of the industry now for over 37 years and, uh, and the Academy Awards are when I get to vent and go a little nutty. Um, they, Often honor the wrong movies, and sometimes they honor the right movies, but it's all just fun. I will watch it. I will have a great time. Jimmy Kimmel, I think, will be great. And uh, the highlight for me, and it better happen, is uh, Ryan Gosling performing I'm Just Ken. For my money, that'll be absolutely the highlight of the entire evening, and it better happen. So they better have a big production number, bring out a bunch of the guys from the movie, and have Ryan Gosling perform the hell out of I'm Just Ken, That'll be the highlight of the whole night. Um, but Oppenheimer's going to win everything. You can pretty much bank on that. Um, and again, some of the other, you know, the other major categories. Um, like I said, best actor, I think Giamatti is going to win it. I'm pretty sure Giamatti is going to win it and he deserves to win it. Oppenheimer will win best picture. Actress is probably going to go to Emma Stone, but it might go to Lily Gladstone. Depends on what's going on. Uh, Supporting actor is Robert Downey Jr. Supporting actress is Divine Joy Randolph uh, from The Holdovers. And best director will be Christopher Nolan. So those are the big nominees in yet another year of the Academy Awards. So uh, I hope everybody has a good time uh, watching the (laughs) show.
0: Hi, I'm Carrie Russell, and I yeah. love Nick's show.
1: Oh, she's wearing uh, a uh, Oppenheimer socks T-shirt. Well, thank you, Carrie. I appreciate that. All right, we'll see you later. <laughs> yeah. 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 yeah.
0: Oh yeah. yeah.
1: All right. Well, there you go. All right, and uh, Oppenheimer is going to win uh, every award. Who cares? All right okay hey you want to leave your comments I'd be happy to hear what do you think is going to win best picture what do you think deserves all the academy awards I'm having fun with this stuff I like to vent and go crazy I'm gonna watch it and for people who like Oppenheimer good for you I'm proud of you all right if you want to leave a voicemail you can with your thoughts on the Oscars 773-417-6948 or drop me an email nickdpodcast at gmail.com Oscars March 11th and your host is um Jimmy Kimmel should be fun you know what else is fun is talking with the one the only the awesome Esmeralda Leon
0: Esmeralda Yeah Esmeralda Leon Yeah Esmeralda I'm talking about that Esmer- Esmeralda Esmeralda Leon Yeah Esmeralda Yeah yeah Esmeralda Leon Have some asthma, love me some asthma, Esmeralda Leon, yeah, Esmeralda, yeah.
1: Esmeralda. It's time Esmeralda for Esmeralda Leon to join us on the Nick Tee Podcast. Hi Esmeralda. Hello. How are you?
2: I'm doing good. How are All you? It's
1: right. Not bad. You know, it's a It's a Tuesday. And it's the the last Tuesday of January. The month has gone by fast. Am I nuts or has the month gone by fast?
2: Yes. It seems to have slowed down, though, because I keep thinking any day now. Like, tomorrow it'll be February. Yeah. And there's still at least uh, another day. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So who
2: knows what's going to happen on the 31st.
1: Uh, because
2: of what doesn't really, change if you're like, Twilight <laughs> be Twilight like, no, no, Zony no. it's hard for there's me to it's hard for me to kind of day. be a,
1: a, objective about uh time right now because like since the end of November, I don't know what fucking day it is because of the stuff that's going on in my personal life <laughs> you know this, yeah. there's there's a lot of like weird stressful stuff going on with my with my ailing and elderly folks and uh, I've been dealing with that on a on a daily basis for hours and hours and hours every day and so I don't know sometimes I look and I'm like, oh, it's January okay. I thought it was March already. <laughs> uh, are you sure it's not 2028? Because that's kind of what it feels like right now. But um, right. But January seems to have kind of scooted right past. Um, but there you go. Um, all right. Well, so um, we have these. Uh, we have, we're going to get to this in a, in a little bit. But we have this fantastic box from Universal Yums, which we talked about before. Mm-hmm. Um, every month. Um, Esmeralda and I will receive a box from Universal Yums. We were signed up to UniversalYums.com from our great friend, Deanna, because uh, she knows that we like to eat uh, and and taste test some fun and weird foods. We've been doing this for how long we've been doing Mm -hmm. this, Esmeralda? We've been doing it for a while, right?
2: Uh, Probably since the start.
1: Yeah, yeah. And um, so there's this company called Universal Yums, which we've talked about, and um, they send you a box from a different part of the world every month, and it's loaded with snacks that are, they range from savory, like chips and things like that, to candy and gummies and stuff like that. Um, And then you get like a, a map of the country or the area that it's from or the region, and then a booklet with a bunch of fun sort of interactive activities that are aimed at like kids and goofballs like me. And then details about every single snack that shows up in the box. So we've got a couple of more as we continue to tour Poland. Mm -hmm. And we've got some coated peanuts that we're going to be tasting. And uh, what is this other thing? Oh, two crunchy cookies Uh, with lemon cream. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I'm interested about the the coated peanuts, which we'll try later when we taste test it. I'm not going to try to pronounce the company name because I'm just going to... Yeah, I don't know. It's it's paprika uh, flavored coated peanuts. Mm. So that should be interesting. And I have all the background info about the snacks as well. So we'll do that, which is always a lot of fun. So we'll eat some stuff a little bit later on. Very nice. um, So there you go. Um, So, uh, as brother, this is kind of crazy. Are you a Godzilla fan, by the way?
2: Um, yeah, I don't hate him. Yeah. I don't uh, follow his career as closely as some.
1: <laughs> well, I don't know if you've heard about the latest Godzilla movie, which is just sort of like becoming this, you know, this massive phenomenon. Uh, it's called Godzilla Minus One. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, in fact, was nominated for an Academy Award um, and uh, oh, wow. for, for Best Visual Effects. And it's the first time in, this is the 70th anniversary of Godzilla, Godzilla seventy this year. Wow. He looks, he, he looks good. He looks good. He does. He's had some work done, I think. I think he might. Yeah. Have. <laughs> yeah, well, Hollywood. Would you get do? He, I think he's had some work done. But um so um so, so it's the 70th anniversary of, of Godzilla and this movie, this um Godzilla minus 1 kind of snuck out at the at, at the end of the year. It came out in December and it was like because everyone, you know, you know, Toho is the Japanese company that continues to make Godzilla movies.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: They make them, and some of them, you know, they range in quality. Some of them are shitty. Some of them are fun. Some of them are cool. Um, And then they come out, and every once in a while, like the real Godzilla fans like me and Tom Hush, by the way. You know our friend Tom Hush.
0: Mm -hmm, um, mm Mm-hmm.
1: Used to to produce my radio show back at the car wash, and now he produces the greatest morning show on uh, radio today, and that is the Steve Cochran show that you can hear on WLS AM 890, the big 89, every weekday morning from 530 to 9. Um, anyway, so Tom, Tom is also a Godzilla fanatic. And so we seek out the newer Godzilla movies, the stuff that doesn't make it to America. And then we mm-hmm. hear about this movie called Godzilla minus one. And it's making this, you know, these big splash in, in, um, uh, in Japan. And then they're like, yeah, we're going to release it in America. And I'm like, oh, cool. There's going to be a Godzilla. And then we go and see it. People go and see it. And it's fucking amazing. It's amazing. It's like really, it's like legitimately great. It's like a legitimately great movie perhaps and i think and having seen it a second time over the weekend it's the best godzilla movie since the first one it's like literally oh, wow it's the best godzilla movie in 70 years <laughs> so, Jeez! and it came out of nowhere and it <laughs> made my it and made how my many, t-
2: how many have there been about
1: godzilla movies oh shit yeah i, I mean double well into double digits That's Maraldo. Well, for you
2: to say that this one is the,
1: it is seriously, it's the best since the first one, since the original Godzilla. Right. It's it is astonishingly good, and so, um, you know, and then it became this phenomenon. It's made a ton of money, and it got an Oscar nomination. You know, and uh, it out of nowhere, this became at the end of the year, this became the biggest and best movie surprise of 2023. I mean, it was like what nobody. So well.
2: That's nice. That's nice to hear, just because, like you said, well, as you're saying, that the only good one was the first one. So, yeah, I guess no, there's, there's been there have been, been good one. ones.
1: there' been no, there's been a lot of okay. good ones. I'm just saying that, like, okay. no, I mean, there have been great ones, but like this is like the best because the first one is still like the best, and it's the most serious. and it was the first Godzilla movie when it came out, it was only i uh, I don't know seven years or six years after Hiroshima. And mm-hmm. the movie is about—Godzilla is a result of uh, radiation and nuclear uh, nuclear bombs. And the movie right. is an allegory about Hiroshima. And, and it, it's a very dark movie. The first Godzilla is a very, very dark allegory. And this new one is the same content. It was like, wait a minute. I just thought it was going to be Godzilla running around knocking shit over and stepping on stuff, you know, like you always expect. But, like, this sure. movie is— <laughs> This movie is like deep and sad and beautiful, and it also kicks ass as a Godzilla movie. So, the well, reason I bring nice. it up, the reason I bring it up, is because my girlfriend Julie's not a Godzilla person, okay, at all, mm-hmm. and she was curious because she read all about it and was like, "Wow, I'd really like to see it." And she has seen little bits and pieces of Godzilla. You know, here's the thing, Esmeralda, like like you, she's a woman, and like women, I think, like the Stooges, they don't give a shit about Godzilla. You know what I mean? I don't mean to sound like that might be a cliche or whatever, but I think most most fans of Godzilla are dudes. You know what I mean? I,
0: mm-hmm.
1: And I really think dudes of a certain age, like guys in their like 40s and 50s have a very weird emotional attachment to Godzilla because a lot of us watched Godzilla movies every Saturday morning, you know, on a black and white TV. It was it just has a lot of, mm-hmm. you know, like the Stooges. I watched the Stooges growing up. And a lot of girls didn't do that when they were growing up. I'm like, I'm not going to watch fucking Godzilla, you know?
0: <laughs> so,
1: yeah, yeah. So, and that's, I mean, that's, now, did your brother enjoy Godzilla? Do you know, is your brother a fan? Um,
2: I don't think so. No. I've never seen him talk about it or look at it or anything like that. Okay.
1: Well, so Julie was curious and I'm like, well, if you want, they're re-releasing Godzilla Minus One this mm-hmm. weekend. And, and I was telling her like, uh, leading up to Friday, this past weekend, and I said, it's being re-released and it's also being released in black and white, because the first Godzilla movie was in black and white. And the, the director of this one was like, I want to release it in black and white because I originally wanted to shoot it in black and white. So they released it. The title of the movie is Godzilla Minus One. That's the title of the movie. But this weekend when they re-released it, it's Godzilla Minus One Minus Color is what they call it. <laughs> what they call <laughs> So Julie's like, yeah, I'd love to see it. I'm like, okay, well, let's go nuts and see it in that 4DX theater.
0: Now, mm-hmm. are, you, are
1: you familiar with the 4D actually? Where they
2: spray you with water and all that? Where
1: they, yeah, where they, sh- it's like a goddamn carnival ride or the, uh, you know. Yeah. The, mm-hmm. All the seats like lift up and shake and you're shimmy and there's water shooting at you and, and lasers and, you know, uh, 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 like uh, strobe lights and big explosions and smoke fills the theater. You know, it's like a, it is literally like a theme park ride, but you're watching a yeah. movie. And so Julie's like, okay, cool, and we went, and it was fucking spectacular. <laughs> and it was great. And it was the black and white looked great, and the seats were moving around. And afterwards, Ju- Julie cried during it. Wow, she's like, this movie was beautiful, and now she loves Godzilla. <laughs> so well, that's great. It was a re- it was a revelatory weekend, you know. It was like, wait a minute, yeah. what? And uh, the 4DX works beautifully uh, with. With that movie, I saw Dune in that mm-hmm. 4DX and it bugged me, like I was like, I don't, mm-hmm. you know. And then like, I don't know. And then they have, you know, they, they have you seen a movie in, in 4DX? I have not. No. Oh, okay. Because the what the only theater that they have it in locally here is that uh, the one on Western, the City North, the Regal mm-hmm. City North on Western, right by the Kennedy. Um, and that's the only one that they have. And I was, and I was just like, I was joking with Julie. I'm like, hey, we should go see it that 4DX in black and white. It'll be fun. <laughs> and she was like, okay. And I never expected her to say okay. And I never heard, expected her to be crying like during it. Like she was like, oh my god, she was so deeply yeah. moved by it. And she loved the shaking of the chairs and the smoke being shot all over. She's like, it was great. I'm like, wow, okay. <laughs> So, but I will if you get a chance and you're and you're up for it, the 4DX crazy shaking cinemas squirting water and all kinds of shit. It really Mm. works beautifully with the new Godzilla movie. It's it was great. It was Mm.
0: great.
2: So yeah. Well, it had to be good for something, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, but when I saw doing, I'm like, man, you know, like. Because, like, the 4 dx is like, you're going to feel the movie. You know how they advertise it. It's like, eh. yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, well, listen, man, if I don't walk out of Dune, you know, with, like, sand stuck in my ass, if I don't, you know, and and if I don't smell like Jason Momoa's ball sack, I'm going disapp- <laughs> to be very disappointed.
0: be very disappointed.
1: And I just, because I love Dune so much, I found it kind of distracting. But it, somehow all of that shit worked uh, in, in Godzilla. Um Mm-hmm. And it was really crowded. Like on a Friday night, a black and white Godzilla movie. <laughs> it was a big crowd, and people were enjoying having their seats shaken and being thrown around like crazy. Because you get thrown around. Like it literally, the seats go boom, boom, bang, and you're up and down. And you fly around. I mean, it's mm-hmm. It's, mm-hmm. it's it is it's this it's like this short of, of requiring a seatbelt. Like it's that crazy. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So. But anyway, I just was curious as to whether you were a Godzilla uh, fan of, of, of any kind. So uh, did you like monster movies at all when you were growing up? Uh, I
2: wasn't really watching them. No. So No. <laughs>
1: what were you what were you into when you were what were what were were there things that you uh, that you enjoyed when you were growing up? Like, did, did, were, you, were there TV shows that you uh, that you got into big time? Um, I mean, I was
2: a big, I was a big watcher of uh, Nickelodeon,
1: so yeah. I watched a lot of that. Did you now? Were you a fan? Uh, are you t- are you a little too old f- to have watched uh, the Good Burger guys, the Kellen Keenan, Keenan Thompson? Were you familiar with him before he got on SNL?
2: Um, yeah, I they had passed me up. I didn't yeah. really watch any of those live action shows. Those were a little bit past my prime. But I did watch him and all that. So, mm-hmm. oh yeah, and all that, yeah, of course. Yep. I think yep. we're, me and uh Kel are, we're not exactly the same age. You're but close, I think though. We're, or Keenan, um, yeah. we are close.
1: Yeah, you guys are close. So. Yeah, you, you guys are. You guys are close. I think he's. I think he's a little older than you are. I think he's. A little yeah,
2: he's older five older than years you. older than me. Oh, okay. So yeah, we. <laughs> I wasn't watching Good Burger
1: at gotcha. the time. I uh, oddly I was I'm
2: amazed that <laughs> I'm amazed that they got a second they got that movie they had a second movie yeah
1: well you I mean I mean and you know uh where this comes from. you think you can get me to a hospital I think I broke my ass you know that's that's right. from that's from Good Burger that's from Good Burger you think you can get
2: me to a hospital I think I broke my ass
1: that was that, that's Abe Vigoda he says yeah, that line. Yeah. He says that line to Kellen Keeney. Do you think
2: you can get me to a hospital? I think I broke
1: my ass. Which is one of my favorite lines in movie history. And the, <laughs> the fact that Abe Vagoda says it adds, you know, adds so much to it. Um, so we so you watched the animated stuff uh, on, on mm-hmm. the Nickelodeon. were you Ren and Stimpy? You were Ren and Stimpy, right? Obviously. Yep. Yeah, mm-hmm. man. Uh, it's amazing to me that kids watched Ren and Stimpy, considering how deeply right. trouble. It's deeply, amazing
2: deeply. that it was even on. I know. When kids
0: were. <laughs> I know. Four I, I,
1: children. I remember I, got, I watched, uh, uh, they featured um, Jailhouse Blues, the first Ren and Stimpy episode at a, mm-hmm. an animation festival, which played the music box. And I saw a screening of it. And after that, I was like, what the fuck is this Ren and Stimpy? Holy shit. And then I saw in the press book that it was like, it's going to be on Nickelodeon. It's going to be you know a Saturday morning show. And so I kept checking the TV guide every week for Ren and Stimpy because I saw this mm. short and then when it came on, it just, it was, I think Ren and Stimpy is like the greatest. I mean, I, it's like the great, it's like the, well, I think it's the, it's the best animated, uh, series of shorts since the heyday of Warner brothers. I think, cause I just, right. I think that, yeah. I mean, they're so fucking funny. I mean, the, do you have a favorite Ren and Stimpy? Uh, do you have a favorite Ren and Stimpy? Um, episode? it's
2: the nip, nipple salesman. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that one, and oh, then man. when they they trade places with the babies. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I like rubber nipple great. Call the police. The, the yeah. With the,
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> with the walrus, I can't imagine being a kid watching that, and because you know, I mean, I was an adult. I was like in my twenties. Yeah. I was like twenty six I mean, or something. It blew,
2: it blew your mind when you were yeah. a kid because you're just like, how is this on? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Because even when you're a kid, like, you realize, you're like, this is weird.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. This Ren character is psychotic. What is wrong with this? Is, and this is a chihuahua? What is yeah. happening? Like, and what's wrong with Stimpy? What is this? I, yeah, it's, um, no, <laughs> I just, I remember, yeah, but the, but mine, my favorite is Sven Hoek when his idiot cousin mm-hmm. shows up. And mm-hmm. um and it ends when the devil shows up because they whizzed on the electric fence. Remember, ah, you whizzed on the electric yeah. fence. Yeah,
0: yeah,
1: <laughs> Oh God. So Nickelodeon, that was the, the were there other what were the other ones that were on the, that you watched at the time that were that were uh, that were popular besides Ren and Snippy? Was um. Uh,
2: um there was uh Ah Real Monsters, mm-hmm. Rugrats, of course.
1: Rugrats, yeah. Yeah. Classic. Um, was the, uh, what to do when the, when you're scared or don't be scared. What's the, what the fuck was mm-hmm. that? Called? Um, uh, are you afraid of the dark? Are you afraid of the, that's it. Yeah, that's right. We talked about that yeah, before. Yeah, that one was,
2: yeah. That freaked you that out, right? Out. Yeah. It, it, I mean, I think it freaked everyone out it? and it really wasn't like the, the intro is frightening. Um, the episodes too were some, some of them were like a little silly but then there were some other ones that they would do that were pretty frightening
1: yeah yeah and then there was now i remember there was a movie that came out a few years ago was it it was called stories to tell in the dark um Um, yeah
2: scary stories to tell in the dark so that's a series of books
1: right that was books right Uh Uh uh-huh
2: um and the big thing about them was and they've changed it since but um, the art was very graphic without being graphic. Yeah. Just the way it was drawn made it look very, very scary. Um, and they actually they changed. I know for the the newer ones or the the like the, the reboots they've they've changed the drawings because <laughs> yeah. they were truly frightening. <laughs>
1: Well, yeah, I remember. I remember hearing about the. I remember hearing about the books. I talked about them on uh, on my show, you know, years, years, years back at uh, at the car wash. Mm-hmm. But then this movie came out. I want to say five years ago, that Guillermo yeah. del, Guillermo del Toro produced, um, and it's really fucking scary. Like it was a PG thirteen movie based on these. Well, these you know, as you just mentioned, books that are they're aimed at. Like, are they? Um, are they young adult books? Are they aimed at like teens and stuff? Is that who they're aimed at, or little kids, or?
2: Um yeah they're they're aimed. I mean I read them when I was a kid, probably yeah. like middle school. Oh okay. Esque times, yeah, but they okay. were actually quite frightening.
1: Yeah, well the movie is scary as shit. Have you seen the movie
2: Esmeralda? I have not.
1: It's really scary. Like I I went in going yeah whatever you know like. You know, me being the jaded horror fanatic that I am. Mm -hmm. And it was PG 13. And I'm always like, oh, PG 13. And whenever I see a movie's rated PG 13, horror movies rated PG 13, immediately fuck off, you know? Like Megan, Megan was PG 13. That was fun, but it was PG 13, you know? Mm -hmm. So, and I went in going, ah, this is gonna suck. And it's really scary. Like I was like, holy shit. Like I I was astonished at how good it was and how scary it was. And you know, I mean, I was aware of the books, but obviously, I was too—I was old and I was too old to have read them. Sure, but man, that book is—that movie was scary. If you ever get a chance and you want to see something pretty creepy and really scary, man, scary stories to tell in the dark—that's what they're called, right? Scary stories to tell in the dark. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, mm-hmm. the, well, the movie from like 2000—I don't want to say 16, 17, something like that. That's some scary shit, man. <laughs> Seriously, there's a, there's a. <laughs> One of the stories in it, or uh, uh, well, it's in fact, it's not one story. It's a, it's a, it's one long movie, one story, but it has a whole bunch of elements from different stories that I guess that they had. But one of them involves a fucking yeah. scare, a scarecrow, like some scarecrow yeah. stuff. Man, mm-hmm. that's some. It was some scary shit. I was like, what? <laughs> what is, I'm yeah. saying. Pe- I mean, pe- they had
2: to. It wasn't. It wouldn't have been worth it i think if if they didn't make it scary because those books were just frightening
1: (laughs) yeah i guess man so for
2: the book to like out scare you versus a movie i mean they couldn't have it would have been embarrassing
1: yeah (laughs) i would think yeah yeah well if you were a fan of those books Esmeralda, you should check out the movie uh it's really i mean it's surprisingly really really good i mean so anyway all right, so the old days of Nickelodeon. Good old Ren and Stimpy. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. All right. <laughs> ah, you whizzed on the electric fence, didn't you? <laughs> but the old, call the police. I mean, that's just... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and, the, and, and, and of course, Frank Zappa as the Pope. I mean, that's just, you know, Frank Zappa providing the voice of the Pope. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> uh, man. And of course, Mr. Horace. Nope. Don't like it at all. <laughs> John, I had John Chris Filucci on on my show many many years ago. Um, and he's as weird as you would expect. He's a he's a weird dude, and he he got into some he got into some trouble. Sorry.
2: Yeah, I watched that um the documentary on it. Yeah, yeah, they they talk about his problems.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, like looking at his work, I'm like, well, this guy's genuinely disturbed. But then, like the shit that they unveiled, I was like, ugh. It's not. It's pretty creepy, but anyway. Mm -hmm. So, but yeah, but anybody who would write rubber nipple salesman, there's something wrong with them. You know what I mean? Right. (laughs) (laughs) So anyway, Um, so um, I wanted to talk a little bit about uh, celebs that everybody loves now, and I think that I think that this is an interesting. Did you take a look at the list here of the of celebs? I did. Yeah, yeah. And I think a lot of them are legit. I think that I think it's true. Um, now, are there celebrities that you like that everybody hates? Ha- have you ever thought about that? Because I was just talking about this with um, Julie this morning. Um, are there any celebrities that you like that people are like, what? You know? Um. Because hmm. I know that, like, it's. It, I I mean, I. You know, you're
2: anybody offhand.
1: Because I know your 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 hall pass. Is, uh, is, is 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 it's kind of unusual. I think Edward Norton is kind of an unusual hall pass. Wouldn't you wouldn't Yeah, you say? a little bit. Yeah.
2: yeah. yeah.
1: Do you know who my girlfriend's hall pass is? Julie's hall pass? Are you ready for this? Who's that? Willem Dafoe. <laughs>
2: I mean, he has his moments. Yeah. I feel like he has.
1: Okay. Okay. He's also,
2: I feel like he's gotten, the older he's gotten, the better looking he's gotten.
1: Okay, that's interesting. That's interesting because he's obviously not, you know, you know, the stereotypical good-looking guy, you know? Um, but she's like, yeah, Willem Dafoe. I'm like, oh, wow, okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, cool. Yeah, Willem Dafoe does it for her. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's interesting. Everybody's got a weird, like... Uh... But we were talking about, like, a, you know, like a, a celebrity that sometimes you have to defend. Like, people always go off on them. Like, for instance, I happen to love Courtney Love. I love her. And people mm-hmm. fucking hate her. And I mean she's got a lot of Oh, she's
2: uh, demons that she has f- oh, been fighting oh, for many
0: there's years.
1: <laughs> no question that she is a fucked up individual and a terrible parent. <laughs> but I really I just love her. I love well, I lo- I think she's very talented. I think she's a good actress. I love Hole. I love her music. I think she's great and mm-hmm. I love that she's outspoken and crazy and I love that. But the thing that makes me mad whenever I like talk about it um is like you know, people diss on her and then yet like people will go, Yeah, Keith Richards is cool. And I'm like, motherfucker, it's the same thing. you you know? You yeah, know, yeah. it's that you're bitching because she's a woman. Like she can't get away with it. Like she's a rock star. She's acting like a rock star and she's acting like any male rock star has acted in the past seventy years. And yet people scream at her about it because like it's not cool when chicks do it, I guess. I don't know. Yeah,
2: yeah, for sure. No, I could I can totally see that.
1: It's like what the fuck, man? I mean you know, you know, I love Johnny Rotten. Really? Okay, cool. Um, so, but it's not cool to like Courtney Love. All right. Okay. Right. Double standard if there ever was one. But yeah, but I like her, man. And I've, I've you know, and people are like, oh, you know, she's terrible. She was, you know, on drugs when she was pregnant. She's a terrible parent. And I'm like, yes, all of that is true. <laughs> yes. Right. <All> true. <laughs> uh, it's absolutely all true. And, uh, you know. So, but anyway, I still like her, but I was thinking like celebrities that everybody hates that you like. And she, I think is number one on my mm-hmm. list. Like everybody hates her and I adore her, but I can understand why people. Yeah.
2: Hate her. I could see, I could see that. Yeah. Yeah. So
1: now what do you think about this? Like so you want to go down to some of these people? Let's see if we all, if we agree, these are celebrities. This article is about the celebrities that everybody loves. Nobody dislikes these celebrities. These are celebrities that everybody really likes. So who's your, who's the first yeah. one? What do you, what do you think about this one?
2: So at no well, do you want to do number one or do you want to do number ten? I don't think it's ranking, but I don't think it's
1: ranking. (laughs) Let's just go through the let's go through the first one that's on the list.
2: So Dame Maggie Smith. Yeah. Which I love her. I don't really, you know, I'm not really following her career or anything. Yeah. And I wasn't really into the Harry Potter movies. Yeah. Um, so I at least recently um have seen her in all the um Downton Abbey stuff,
0: yeah, right. And she
2: is great right in it because they give yeah. her re- they give her a really good role because she's very snarky, yeah, in it, in old timey, in an yeah. old timey way.
1: Yeah, <laughs> you know, if you go back and look at, there's a lot, there's a lot of stuff that Maggie Smith has done over the years where she's she's, I mean, besides the, the Downton Abbey and, and and Harry Potter, obviously, she's done a ton of stuff. The first thing that pops into my mind, um, and it's weird, if you ever want to go back and see her like really kick ass. Um, mm-hmm. Is in a Neil Simon movie called California Suite, mm-hmm. um, and it is a bunch of sh- uh, a bunch of short stories about people who are s- staying in a hotel. Um, one of them involves Alan Alda and Jane Fonda; they play ex ex husband, ex wife. Another one involves Bill Cosby and Richard Pryor uh, mm-hmm. ha- having a wacky vacation, um, and then there's one with Walter Matthau and Elaine May. That's very funny, but the one that stands out, and it got Maggie Smith an Oscar nomination. In fact, is okay. her she's an actress who is in town to accept an Oscar, and her um, her assistant is Michael Caine, um, and it's Michael Caine and Maggie Smith just fucking duking it out verbally. It's fantastic. If you ever get a chance, California Suite. Uh, I mean, there's a ton of stuff that Maggie Smith did, but like California Sweet. If you ever mm-hmm. want watch, to watch her just like rocket, you know, and, and just yeah. her, her and Michael Caine together. It's great. It's great. Yeah, I could imagine. Yeah, it's great. Another Brit next on the list. How about that? And another, uh, mm-hmm. another Harry Potter vet. Yeah. Uh, the great Alan Rickman. Who doesn't love Alan Rickman?
2: Yeah, I have never heard a bad thing said about that man.
1: Yeah. Yeah. English actor and director Alan Rickman is best known for his iconic roles as Hans Gruber in Die Hard and Professor Servius Snape in the Harry Potter film series. His commanding presence was unforgettable, and his unforgettable voice made him a fan favorite. Um he died in 2016. He died, like, right around the same time as Bowie, um, I remember, mm-hmm. like, right around the same time. And, um, yeah, and he was, he was amazing. But, yeah, Alan Rickman, man. Um, yeah, you like Alan Rickman, obviously.
2: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I really liked him yeah. in, you know, as the voice of the robot in Hitchhiker's Guide. He did a very oh. good job. His voice was perfect for that. Yeah,
1: he was. He was. There's a, now. See now. There's a movie that I defend. A lot of people hate that movie, um, but I really liked it. I really liked it. I love the books too. I'm a fan of the books. Mm-hmm. But I really liked that movie. And Sam Rockwell was awesome in it. And um, so, yeah, I liked it. But Alan Rickman, uh, and and this is this is always the, this is always the the little piece of trivia that astonishes people. Mm-hmm. His first movie was Die Hard. <laughs> that was his first yeah, movie. You, that's, yeah, you—that's that I is mean,
2: amazing, too. Because you know, I mean, he's not young, young. Yeah. Yeah. In it.
1: Uh, yeah. Yeah, and he was—I mean, he was a British stage actor at that point. But how is, the, how do you, how do you like your first? The first part you play is one of the most iconic, maybe the most iconic villain in action movie history. You mm-hmm. know, like Hans Gruber. In Die Hard, that's your first role? <laughs> what? And then, like, but continuing to, like, it's not like a, a flash in the pan because he continued to be great. And, like, even in shitty movies, like the Robin Hood movie, he's that the, with with uh, Costner. Yeah, think, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's terrible, but he's awesome in it, you know? Um, <laughs> but, Which yeah. is a
2: sign of a good actor when you it can, is. even if the movie is terrible, but people will be like, but you did good in it. Yeah. <laughs> you tried but your man, best. Yeah
1: but right out of the gate he's Hans Gruber. I can't even you know like holy shit. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. All right. Well, Alan Rickman um is awesome. All right, you want to you want to do the next one here?
2: Uh so at number 3 is Steve Buscemi, yeah. which I agree. He I is do too. lovely.
1: He is. yeah. Yeah.
2: I mean, yeah. I don't know him, but from what I've seen he seems good, unless he has some deep, dark secret that we all don't know about.
1: Yeah, he's uh, he's great. I mean, and, and you know, I mean, he's very, you know, he he can do a lot. You know, he's a versatile dude. You know, like he can do comedy. He can do like, I mean, he's in like six Adam Sandler movies, six or seven Adam Sandler movies. You know, um, and then he'll do serious stuff. Um, and you know, like he directed uh, a movie Trees Lounge, which is really good. Uh, mm-hmm. Everybody yeah knows that one it's
2: a great movie
1: it's a terrific movie yeah and then but and then it was i always thought it was amazing that anytime you cast steve Buscemi in a movie and he's like your lead that's pretty cool like and then a whole series like boardwalk empire like he's the lead he, yeah i mean he's
2: amazing in that
1: yeah do you remember the first time you saw him was it reservoir dogs was that maybe the first time you remember seeing him or
2: um you know i'm not sure yeah um, I want to say it was probably the Adam Sandler movie.
1: It probably, yeah, one of the Adam Sandler movies, sure. Because he's in like, god damn, he's in like a ton of them. I mean, small roles, usually. He just shows up and does something wacky. Um hmm hmm But they say Steve Buscemi, American actor and filmmaker. He's a fixture in the entertainment industry for three decades. He's known for his distinctive lurk, uh, looks and quirky qu- quirky characters. Uh, he also uh, was fantastic. Oh, oh, Fargo. Shit, I totally forgot about Fargo. He's fantastic in Fargo
2: oh right i mean, yeah. I mean yeah. yeah he's he's great well he's great at anything i've seen him in it's, it's, it's true yeah you can name all of them and i'd be like yeah fantastic great
1: yeah. <laughs> and a likable guy like you see him on talk shows and it's like you yeah he's you know this guy he he belongs on this list of celebrities that everybody right. loves without question." you know
2: he like when 9 11 happened like he ah. quote-unquote quit acting to go um help and because he used to be a firefighter right and yeah. so then mm-hmm. he went back to it
1: Mm-hmm. He did
2: so. That was nice of him. And then now he's back again.
1: Yeah, and he was because uh, he, you know, I mean, he he we worked out of a fire department. I think, uh, in fact, he was in uh, when he was a firefighter. He was on the Lower East Side, mm-hmm. um, yeah, in New York. Because yeah, yeah, he, yeah. he is a New Yorker, and um, yeah, and you ever seen pictures of him from the fire from his fire department days? No, oh, no, they're, they're, I haven't. They're out there. You should look it up. You should do. A, you should do a little googly, uh, like Steve Buscemi fire department. I mean. Days. He-
2: he also, like, he's not to me. I think he also has aged better than like when he was younger. Yeah. There's some people who I just don't think they look as good as when they were younger. Like, they grew into them, their face yeah. or whatever yeah. as they got older. And I think he's one of those. Like, he has I agree. quite a unique face.
0: <laughs> he, does. he does. But he does. it's
2: again, it's like a Willem Dafoe situation. Yeah, where I think he has gotten the older he gets, the better looking. Like he, his face kind of is yeah. better for him older yeah. than younger. I, no,
1: I agree. I totally agree. Yeah, uh, uh, I, I, I I totally agree. All right, Steve Buscemi. All right, uh, next is well, Mister Rogers is on the list. Now, how do you not?
2: Right. There's no that man had not one a uh, bad bone in his body.
1: No, absolutely. And um, did you see the movie with Tom Hanks?
2: Uh, I did not.
1: It's good. I it's good. Not. But it's weird because I mean that that movie's fine. He's good in it. But there was a documentary that came out the same year. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I've seen that.
1: Yeah. Now that's the deal. That was the real deal. Yeah.
2: That I would ra- I'd rather see that than Yeah. The fictionalized.
1: <laughs> yeah. And our re- re- dramatization yeah. of when, his life. Did you watch mean, well, you watch Mr. Mr. Did you watch Mr. Rogers when you were a kid? mm mm-hmm. Mhm. Yeah, I don't think anybody I don't know anybody who didn't. Right? Um, yeah, cuz
2: he was When did he start? He started in the, the... 60s. 60s? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Cuz you know, yeah, or yeah, in the 60s out of Pittsburgh. He's out of Pittsburgh. Now, do you know the do you know the one of the most fun little uh facts about his show? What's that? Is that um cuz you know, Mr. Rogers was out of Pittsburgh and um so was George Romero, and George Romero worked on Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: um, And so some of the equipment that was used in Mr. Rogers, to make Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, is used in Night of the Living Dead.
2: <laughs> oh, <really? laughs> yeah. Like lights and things? Yeah, and cameras and
1: stuff. <laughs> like they brought, like, they, they, like he was working, you know, at the PBS station in Pittsburgh. And he was specifically, yeah. Romero was specifically working as a cameraman and a crew guy and a light guy and a tech guy on Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. And he asked Fred Rogers, like, on the weekend, he's like, can I use some of the equipment? I'm making a little zombie movie. And, and he was like, yeah. <laughs> can
2: I use your house that uh, yeah. <laughs> you film in? Could you imagine? Yeah. Zombies crawling around the fish yeah. tank and everything.
1: I just love <laughs> the fact that Night of the Living Dead is connected to Mr. Rogers' neighborhood. I just love that. I love that little piece of trivia. It's like, yeah, it'll always be like Night of the Living Dead will always forever be connected to Mr. Rogers. <laughs> And Mr. Rogers was like, he was like, you know, and and Romero told him what the movie was. It's about these, it's about zombies that come back to life and they're flesh eaters. He's like, go ahead, use the camera, Mm -hmm. sure.
2: (laughs) I I mean, it's not like, yeah, it's not like the zombies are going to stay in the camera when he's filming. Right,
0: right.
1: Yeah. But he was like, you know, he was like, I don't know if anybody, you know, I don't want you to be concerned about the content of this and, you know, to tarnish Mm -hmm. any kind of (laughs) reputation that you have.
2: Can you imagine? Someone's like, they used Mr. Rogers' cameras. (laughs) How dare they?
1: (laughs) You've been somebody objecting to that. I cannot believe that Mr. Rogers is allowed.
2: for children.
1: Yeah. You're yeah. filming
2: it on the yeah. same camera? How dare they?
1: <laughs> that camera is tainted.
2: <laughs> yeah. It's only, for zombies now. Oh,
1: man. Uh, you know, when I was... A, I didn't appreciate Mr. Rogers until I got a little older, I have to say. Because mm-hmm. when I was a little kid, you know, um, and I watched that stuff on PBS, I thought, you know, I liked, I liked um, Sesame Street. And I was like, I was... Yeah. You know Sesame Street, I was 4 when Sesame Street debuted. So I was part mm-hmm. of the the initial the initial run of Sesame Street. I am the, of that generation. So I like Sesame Street. I loved it. I like the characters. I, I was a fan of Grover. Grover was always my favorite.
2: Right. Yeah, uh, no he's he should also well most of uh I think everyone from Sesame Street should be on this list as well.
1: Well, except for uh what's it Tickle Elmo. Fuck him. Uh <laughs> Wow. Not a fan of Elmo. <laughs> He's
2: like a 3-year-old.
1: All <laughs> I, I can't stand Elmo. I can't stand him. And one of the reasons I can't stand him is he kind of replaced Grover as that go-to character. Cuz I loved Grover oh, wow. when I was a kid. Okay. Grover was like, "Hey, Froggy baby." And he'd slap Kermit on the back and Kermit would go flying across the room and I always I always thought that was funny. But yeah. I was but when I was a little kid, you know, I liked Sesame Street, and I'm I was a I'm a mm-hmm. you know you know me I was a dumb kid because I'm i du- I'm a dumb adult so I liked stupid shit and so like colorful stupid shit was like eh. I'd sit in front of the TV shiny loud you know and be like yay you know so like that kind of stuff and I loved Electric Company I loved the Electric mm-hmm. Company And yeah. it was great and I was, I'd be good because Bill Cosby was on it Rita Moreno Morgan Freeman that's how he got his start was on the Electric Company and I loved the Electric Company and then when Mister Rogers came on I'd be like okay this guy's okay but I you know. And then when mm-hmm. I got older I'm like, this guy's awesome. Like I didn't <laughs> I was like, Man, this guy's just so he 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 relaxes me, he makes me feel good about myself.
2: Yeah, yeah you, you know? had a great soothing oh, voice. Yeah. And then, you know, the favorite my bit favorite was when you go into the, the land of make believe.
1: Yeah. With the king and the and all the puppets mm-hmm. and stuff. Yeah the he, the thing about him was, and you know, and now I mean, I obviously I, I adore the man, and he was a yeah a, a credit to to human beings everywhere. This guy, and the message that he sent out, and the way that he, you know, would talk to children directly like they were mm-hmm. adults and mm-hmm. make them feel good, and they made them feel positive about himself. He the guy was a fucking national treasure, man. He was a, he was like an angel. Oh yeah, and, for sure. And, and it took me a little, a little. When you're when you're a little kid, you might not. I didn't, at least, um, you know, ad, admire him or appreciate him the way that I did as I got older. When I got older, I'm like, this guy's the great one of the greatest human beings that ever lived. <laughs> but when I was a kid, I'm like, he's not as funny as Grover. Fuck him, you know. Like, wow. No, I didn't say that. But Grover you know. should get this job. Grover, Grover should be it should be Mr. Grover's neighborhood. That's what it should be. <laughs> I loved Grover when I was a kid. Oh my god, he was my Really.
2: Favorite. Oh my <laughs>
1: god, he was my favorite. Grover was my favorite on Sesame Street. And then um I always found like I always found Big Bird annoying. I don't know why, but I was always like I like Snuffleupagus. He,
2: well, cuz again, he's a small child.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
2: I don't know what or how old he is, but I think he's like 6 or something like
1: that. Yeah, you yeah, you're right. He is, right. Yeah. But I always like. I mean, I like. I like. I like the uh, Grover's
2: just a. Yeah, but they're all adults, so I think there's something to that because Elmo is also a small child. (laughs) Yeah,
1: I can't stand Elmo. Oh my god, you don't
2: like the you don't like the kids.
1: I don't like kids. (laughs) Fuck them. That yeah. I guess that's consistent with how I feel about the real world anyway. Because kids like get them away from me. (laughs) Because
2: I think yeah, Grover was an adult. Like he was just (laughs) a. I think you're right. He wasn't. They don't really give him an age or anything. Yeah. Yeah. Bert yeah. and Ernie were adults. They yeah.
1: were they were roommates, living rent. alone. They were yeah, living they were together. Li- yeah. Splitting the rent. Even you
2: know, and... um, what's his face? Was uh <laughs> Oscar the Grouch. He had a, Yeah. he had his whole apartment to
1: himself. Yeah. Yeah, whole he lived on his own in his garbage can, just leave me alone. I always liked him. I always yeah, liked him. I think
2: they're the only ones who they really like say that, oh, they're this age or whatever. Yeah. Is Elmo and Big Bird. The two now, you don't like.
1: That and I don't and I I don't dislike Big Bird I actively dislike Elmo but mm-hmm. the thing is Elmo by the time Elmo showed up I was an adult so I wasn't watching Sesame Street
2: mm-hmm. I, ah, just, okay.
1: I remember watching Elmo as an adult and going who the fuck is this and where's Grover you know like <laughs> just, where is this little red, Grover should be in every scene this this where little, is he this, this little red asshole has taken Grover's job and I don't appreciate it. You know, <laughs> that was how I, I want to see
2: it. more Grover. He <laughs> should get more acting jobs. What is happening? Yeah.
1: Why? Why wasn't Grover in, you know, why wasn't Grover in Killers of the Flower Moon? It should have been Grover instead of. of he would
2: have. Uh, yeah. He, I don't know if they even offered him an audition.
1: They should have instead of Leo. I can totally imagined Grover playing that part.
2: He so. Grover is actually <laughs> theater trained and no one, you know, and he doesn't really get to use it.
1: <laughs> uh hey froggy baby i used to laugh every time he slapped kermit on the back and kermit would go flying and i'd fall off the couch laughing
0: yeah so,
1: yeah i don't know but uh yeah but mr rogers everybody loves mr rogers yeah what's not to love you know mm-hmm. yeah. you know on this list also is bob ross yes yeah no do you like bob, um, ross? Now, bob ross i, t- t- I mean he's the yes painter guy right painter dude yeah, yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. I don't know much about the man.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Aside from that he painted.
1: He was on, it was The Joy of Painting, and he hosted it for over a decade. Yeah. And it was all like, what? But like, let's put some happy trees here. Right? He would just like every mm-hmm. well, the trees were all happy, and there was all like a smiling brook, you know, or something in his
2: <laughs> Yes. <laughs> a little mountain in the back. Yeah. Let's put a little happy mountain here.
1: People loved him because he was again like Mr. Rogers, he was a soothing dude, you know.
0: Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. Um, and he did ha- he did have the hair and the beard. He had the fantastic like perm, and mm-hmm. uh, and the beard. Now, did you see that movie with um, Owen Wilson? Oh, I did not. It was terrible. Uh, I can't even remember what the <laughs> hell it was called. Where he kind of he, he played a version he like
2: uh, a Bob Ross esque yeah, character. Yeah, right. Yeah.
1: Um. Who's like, but having I don't
2: a know day. if it's true to life.
1: No, it's not. I hope it's not. <laughs> it, 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 I can't even remember. It's, I think if it, I think it had a one word title, I think it was called Paint. I think it was called it, if you could Google, uh, what was it, Luke? No, not Luke, Owen. Yep. it's Owen Wilson.
2: Mm-hmm. Paint. Yeah, it was called Paint.
1: Yeah, that that movie sucked. I, I And I, you know, everybody was like, oh, it could be really funny. You know, Owen Wilson playing Bob Ross and that's a great casting choice, you know, Mm -hmm. but but yeah, if you're no, no, (laughs) not at all. So, but everybody likes Bob Ross, right? Yeah. What's not to like?
2: Yeah. I really I I I don't know anything about the man. So
1: (laughs) yeah. And we still don't even after that movie, that paint movie. And I'm trying to remember who the hell else was in that. Brian Cranston, was Brian Cranston in that? And, uh, oh my God, I can't even remember who else was in that. That movie was so bad. Oh, painful! I remember sitting in the theater going, "Why am I even here?" Right. <laughs> and Bob Ross, Bob Ross would not be thrilled. And Bob, I don't understand. I, you know, Bob Ross's family can't be thrilled about this because the 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 character that uh, Owen Wilson plays in the movie is a dick. He's like mm-hmm. a selfish dick.
2: And it's very, it's 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 a little, I think, too close. Yeah. Uh, in terms of you know like. It doesn't say it's him, but yeah. we all know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's got a big old, you know, he's got Afro the hair and, and the. Yeah. So it, was, it was very yeah. similar. So even yeah. if they were like, oh no, it's just a play off of a. Yeah, people are just going to assume that that's. And,
1: what and the, like. the plot was him getting angry because someone came, someone on the PBS channel came in after him and started to take his ratings. That's mm-hmm. and it was a woman and she did a different thing and like he yeah. was all upset about There's it like
2: try- n- another painting show
1: yeah. <laughs> right and she's but she's getting more ratings than this guy and they put him on in the middle of the night at some point I just yeah mm-hmm. it was I just I forget because there were other people in it that I I remember the cast being good there were a lot of people in it who I really liked um, but I just remember going man what the f-, you know terrible
2: yeah terrible
1: terrible all right let's do one more uh number seven Esmeralda. Uh, Because in this one, you know, this I think this one kind of goes with it. Oh, yeah.
2: Yeah, she, no one, not a bad bone in that woman's body, uh, Betty White.
1: Yeah, yeah. Everybody loved her, man. Everybody did. Mm -hmm. And everything she, you know, the thing about Betty White was that she was so, like, people loved her and she could be wholesome and then she could be so naughty. You know, there were times when she wasn't, she wasn't afraid to, like, push the envelope and be edgy and naughty and sexy, you know? Um
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I mean, the character she played on the Golden Girls—like, she was like uh, divorced, right, or like a sex pot, wasn't she? In in uh, in Golden Girls?
2: No, that's um, that was Rue McClanahan. That was Rue McClanahan. Was okay, but yeah. did, oh, oh, oh,
1: oh, oh! Uh, Hot in Cleveland, she played like uh, somebody like that in Hot in Cleveland, and on um, Mary Tyler Moore, she was like the sassy one in in Mary mm-hmm. Tyler Moore. Yeah yeah. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. No, Rue McClanahan played the 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 uh, the the loose one of the Golden Girls. That's right. right. That's
0: right.
1: <laughs> Yeah. But she was not afraid like and, and obviously Betty White legendary on game shows. You know, oh yeah. You, you love her on Match Game. Who doesn't love her on Match Game? You know, her husband was uh, Alan Ludden who mm-hmm. was the host of Password and anytime she appeared on Password, you wanted to be her partner. It was like, okay, because her husband, you know, she, no no celebrity knows Password better than Betty White. You want you know, <laughs> you want to win twenty grand. You team up with Betty White as your partner, and you will.
2: <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah, but she was an icon. She truly was. Um, and oh did you yeah. See, did you see the episode of uh, SNL that she hosted? Um, like mm-hmm. a, a couple. of Oh years yeah, yeah, yeah. It was fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know anybody. If you don't like Betty White, you I don't I don't think you qualify as a human being. <laughs> yeah,
2: I don't think you, you have a soul. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So anyway, all right. Well, those are some of the uh, some celebs. We, we got a few more here that we can uh, that we can get to. But yeah, those I think all, all every one of those so far, I think uh, I don't know anybody who doesn't like any of those people.
2: Right. Yeah. yeah no, they're all it was um, they're good. They chose yeah. some good people,
1: they Chose some good people, celebrities that everybody loves. And, and think about that. If you want to jump in uh, with any of these, like if you have a celebrity that. All right. You know what? I would love to hear from you. And again, seven, seven, three, four, one, seven, six, nine, four, eight, seven, seven, three, four, one, seven, six, nine, four, eight is our voicemail. Or you can leave an email, nickdpodcast at gmail um, What celebrities do you love that you have to defend? That's an entirely different one. Think about that a little bit, mm,
0: uh,
1: yeah, as well. Because I kind of, I kind of threw that at you um, uh, because, and the only reason it was in my brain was because I was talking about earlier this morning. I was talking about uh, Courtney Love with Julie, and mm-hmm. uh, and found myself like, yeah, I I had to defend Courtney Love, but you know. Uh, so, are there celebrities out there that everybody seems to hate except you? So, okay. and then there are celebrities, I guess, that everybody loves that people don't like. I guess, like right now, a lot. I of mean, people, yeah. Right now, course. a lot of people are not uh, are are not thrilled about uh, about uh about Taylor Swift. If you're not a Swiftie, because people are like, especially football right. fans. Football fans are like, I'm tired of looking at her. Well, now she's going to. The, they're going to the Super Bowl now. <laughs> so now, she, enjoy the fucking Super Bowl because she's going to be. There. <laughs> right cuz the chiefs are in the super bowl so uh you might want to shut up cuz you know the entire football season now now includes the super bowl taylor swift will be there so <laughs> <laughs> and a lot of people are like is usher going to bring her out on stage you know for the halftime yeah like that's now that's like the big rumor now that the chiefs won you know the chiefs won yesterday and they're going to the super bowl so now it's like oh is she going to show up and you know on the and you know on the stage and do a song and all that stuff yeah, people are people. People are are dissing on the Tay-Tay, the uh, the football fans. <laughs> I don't know. It doesn't. You know. I mean, I don't. I don't care. You know. It doesn't. It doesn't. I don't know. More people will watch the goddamn games. I don't know. You know. Don't you think that more people are like people who wouldn't normally watch football are watching it now yeah. because they, they want to see? How can that be bad for no, football? No, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, and that and and you know, oh, well, first of all, the Super Bowl, everybody watches the Super Bowl, even if you don't want to, because of the commercials and all the other shit that happens. But mm-hmm. you know the ratings are going to be higher because of her. There's no question. There's no question about it. She's like the most popular human on the planet right now. I mean, her concert movie made like eighty billion
0: dollars. You know?
1: Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. She is a phenomenon right now, and the ratings are going to be up because of her, whether people like it or not. So you know, Tay Tay at the Super Bowl. There it is. <laughs> <laughs> I personally why like why
2: even have the game. Why even have them play? Yeah, just put a just camera on her and <laughs> then
1: put a camera on a skybox and have it on her for the entire four hours. Oh, Don't even have commercials, just show Tay Tay for four hours. But the I I personally I, I personally want to see uh Kelsey's uh uh brother drunk again, shirtless, running around like a maniac. That was that was <laughs> fucking hilarious. You saw that footage, right, of him running around like a loon. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> all drunk and running around, jumping out of the skybox. I'm like, see, now that's what we need at the Super Bowl. We need a little bit more <laughs> of that. So, anyway. All right. Uh, all right. We are doing some uh, taste testing, which we love to do. Our friend Diana got us a, a monthly subscription to Universal Yums, where we get a box full of incredible varying snacks of sweetness and saltiness and savoriness and all that stuff uh, from different parts of the country, or different parts of the world. And we are currently on a tour of Poland. Mm-hmm. So, what do you want to try first, Esmeralda? And, we'll t- and we can talk about what it is. What do you want to try first?
2: Um, let's do the peanuts.
1: Okay. So these are paprika peanuts, peppery, peanutty perfection. At dinner tables throughout the U.S., you'll hear past the salt and pepper. But in Poland, you'll hear something different past the paprika. This bright mm. red powder made from dried bell peppers is one of Poland's favorite spices used to flavor and color cheese, meat, and, of course, peanuts, with a heavy dusting of the spice, the nuts have been transformed into a smoky, slightly sweet zinger of, of a snack. Better yet, underneath the paprika spice is a crispy cracker coating, helping to deliver a little extra crunch with every bite. Okay. Oh, wow. And Bez Kids That's the name of it. So, are you trying it? Mm-hmm. What do you think?
2: Yeah. They're fine. They're good. Um let's see. I mean paprika is not really the most mm. my opinion flavorful. <laughs> you
1: know? Oh, I like these. Um Yeah. Oh,
2: they're a mm. little salty. Peanutty.
1: Yeah. I actually really like these. Man. I'll be eating these all day. <laughs> Wow. Okay. Paprika peanuts. Um, and I'll take a picture of these and, and put it up on it. Man, I'm eating these. <laughs> They're so goddamn good. Um, <laughs> um, I'll take a picture so you guys can see it. But, um, yeah. And the, the brand name is um, B-E-S-K-I-D-Z-K-I-E. Paprika covered peanuts. Delicious. All right, let me take a little sip of water. What are we going to eat next? Tell everybody about what we're going to eat next, Marla. Uh, so we got uh, two.
2: <laughs> I like how it tells you. Two crunchy cookies with lemon cream. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious how these are going to stack up to the ones I had from Spain.
1: Right. You had lemon cream. Last week you had lemon cream snacks from Spain. Mm-hmm. And these Although are- these are
2: different because those were like Oreo looking where they had the two cookies and then the cream in the middle.
1: Well, here's how this they describe it. Like
2: one cookie with cream in it.
1: This is how they describe it. It's la gustosa is the name of the brand. Lemon cream cookies, crumbly almond biscuits filled with lemon cream. That's different than what you had, right?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, this yum contains an important life lesson. Don't take lemons for granted. Under the communist regime from nineteen forty four to nineteen eighty nine, lemons were rare in Poland. Wow. Mm. Until a local scientist named, yeah, I'm going to skip that big Polish long name because I'll just (laughs) completely demolish it. Introduced a new lemon that wasn't lemon at all. The Skierowinsk lemon tastes just like the real thing, but is actually a hybrid of pomelo and citron fruits or citron fruits. By encouraging locals to grow it, the uh, guy gave Poland a bright lemony flavor in a dark time. Thankfully, modern Poland is flush with true lemons and turns them into the citrusy cookies co- cookies as much as possible. Okay. hmm So, uh have you tried it? Mm-hmm. What do you think?
2: Um, yeah, it's okay.
1: Yeah? Um,
2: I'm not the biggest fan of the cookie.
1: Okay. Hmm. Yeah. Very crumbly.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of like really crumbly
1: yeah. cookies. Yeah, very very crumbly. It's not bad. It's okay though. Yeah, it's, it's not nice, bad. Got a nice taste to it, but it is very crumbly. Like I bit into it and it just went, it went all over my shirt.
0: Yeah. <laughs> oh so yeah. Just um, be aware. It's, it's
2: like everywhere now.
1: It's very very crumbly <laughs> and it gets all over everything. But it's good. It's tasty. Yeah. So yeah, not a bad cookie. Right. Uh, I have to go out of these two. I'm way mm-hmm. in. I'm way in the peanut corner, in the paprika peanut corner. Yeah.
2: Um. Out of these two, I guess I would say the cookie. Mm.
1: Okay. So you're going sweet instead of savory on this one.
0: Hmm.
1: Okay. Cool. All right. Awesome. Well, again, if you want to check out Universal Yums, you get a great booklet, which a bunch of activities, very colorful, a nice map of Poland, and a whole box full of really cool snacks. And today we tried uh, the paprika peanuts, which I thought mm-hmm. were fantastic, mm-hmm. and the, um, the lemon cream cookies with crumbly cookies, and those were good, too. So two good snacks. So far, we've we done well, because we had the dark chocolate marshmallow bar, which was pretty good, mm-hmm. yeah, and that then was the, nice. the monster munch potato snack, which I enjoyed very much.
2: Yeah, so there you same.
1: Go. And we, we have more snacks to come. Cool. All right. And then we'll talk a, a little bit more about the celebrities that everybody loves. Including mm-hmm. and and I'll tell you what if we if when we get to the end of the article if Grover's not on here I'm calling the cops.
2: I mean I would assume anything that you consume if Grover is not there, <laughs> you are just no you're mad you're immediately like this is terrible
1: <laughs> this is bullshit. why is Grover not working? It <laughs> would have been perfect in this. Gro- Grover should be in every movie he should be on every TV show that's mm-hmm. all there is to it. I'm voting yeah. for Grover in November. I don't know if you knew that or not, but I'm voting for him writing him in Yeah. You just write him in, yeah. <laughs> hey Biden baby. Slap him on the back. He goes flying across the room. <laughs> so. All right. Well there you go. Thank you, Ezra. You rule, as always. Oh, thank you. Um, And uh, Eric Childress and Steve Procopio are going to join me. They were uh, uh, not around Mm. uh, for their regular visit last time because they were at Sundance. And so we're going to get some reviews of the movies that they saw at Sundance that we won't see for a little while. So we'll get a special preview Mm. of some of the Sundance films that they saw. And we'll review a couple of new ones as well. But Steve and Eric will be back on the next podcast. And uh, I want to thank you, Esmeralda, and thank everybody for listening. Hey, please take the time to uh, share and rate and review us on every platform. You can be a sponsor on this podcast, too. You should. Lots of people listen to it. Uh, advertise with us. Uh, contact us and say, I want to advertise. It's sales at radiomisfits.com. Uh, 24-7, voicemail is wide open. Leave your messages, leave your questions, your comments, celebrities that you love, that everybody else hates, anything you want to jump in that we've been talking about. We'd love to hear from you. 773-417-6948. You drop us an email, nickdpodcast at gmail.com. Jason Skaggs does all the music and the sound and all the weirdness, and Ed does everything else with the great Radio Misfits Podcast Network. And I thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time on the Nick D Podcast. Thanks.
0: The wind is right on me.